Wonder about the future and how you'll be working and learning? Welcome to You in 2042, the future of work, with your host, Danielle Wallace. Thank you for picking up this great podcast topic from last time and now being able to dig deeper into the metaverse from which you spoke a bit about in our last podcast. Love to know a bit more about the role of education as it relates to the metaverse. You know, that's really interesting. In fact, what I'll do is I'll get the audience to take a look at the work of Patty Mays at the MIT Media Labs. And she has a research group called the Fluid Interfaces uh, Group. And about a few weeks ago, they had a day-long workshop, which is available online. I recommend you have a look, where they had some of the top speakers in the world and talked specifically about that, the impact it's going to have on people's lives, but also in education. Um, I also have done an interview. So if you actually look under, uh, search for Stephen Ibaraki, and then IEEE, I-E-E-E, Thames, You'll find an interview I have done. It's almost two hours long with Patty Mays and some of her researchers. And so what are some of the things they found? Well, they found, or hints anyways, that they found. And keep in mind, they've been working on this for three decades. They found that if you choose an avatar that is, or the embodiment of who you want to appear, somebody you respect or admire, then it'll change your capacity to maybe learn better. If you use filters, uh, filters of, of something that represents, again, something respectful and so on, then it could change sort of your approach to things. So what it, may, what it can do is maybe enhance learning uh, or, or increase the, the attention that you give to something. There is a high school in the U.S. It's called the Anaheim, Anaheim uh, Union uh, High School uh, District, and they're already now experimenting with... A virtual reality and adding this kind of metaverse curriculum for their students. Stanford University has a virtual human interface uh, a lab and they actually have built a city and they're looking to see what the persistence is, what's, you know, what are some of the challenges, but what are the opportunities as well. And, and they're finding that some of the things that happen in the metaverse carry on uh, in a positive way when they're off the metaverse. So you can maybe get transference from what's happening in the, the sort of enriched environment in the metaverse to afterwards as well. So it provides all sorts of opportunities for, for learning. Keep in mind too that in the metaverse providing, you know, there's proper governance rules and, you know, privacy is, is protected. Uh, you can monitor all sorts of reactions of people to determine whether they're um, not paying attention or something's not uh, capturing their interest or or there's some kind of break in, in their understanding and then you can make some corrective action by personalizing it or and I would I would say or maybe use a term like precision personalized education so it's very precise because it's analyzing how you are attending to something you're learning it's personalized to you because you're uh, the way the dynamics of how you learn will be different from other people. And the system can then tune to you, to your individual needs. So that's where it's going to uh, uh, sort of, you know, go towards a precision, personalized education. So it could be quite an enhancement. 
there is this other side though, if it could be used for positive education, it can also be used for negative education. So we have to be wary of that. So that idea of precision personalized education, that dovetails well with where the industry is going and is currently using AI to um, help address. But what I find fascinating with this idea of the metaverse is from a learning and development standpoint, is that it truly is this new area that yet we as a, as a profession of only taking peaks at, but there's tremendous opportunity and even the added data that you're suggesting can be gathered from this becomes a rich source to provide that precision personalization. Yeah, now let's take it one step further. You know, uh, right now, you can get into an immersive environment just using your phone, right? You can walk through 3D worlds using your phone. Pokemon Go is an example of that. Um, you can wear these um, head-mounted devices, you know, affordable head-mounted devices, but they're becoming more powerful and smaller. And these are going into glasses, and there's even contact lenses being worked on. And then, of course, you have brain interfaces, including non-invasive brain interfaces, where there's this uh, communication between, you know, the digital realm or computers and, and yourself. And, and you know, perhaps clinical trials or some trials happening that, happening either this year or next year and so on. And, and there are already been studies with animals, right? In fact, I even did a keynote back in 2015 in Korea where I talked about some of this even happening, you know, seven years ago and and research so so can you imagine if you can have the seamless communication that's occurring non-invasive where uh, you're sending your thoughts out it's being registered and captured and but again under proper governance and so on and then in turn you can get information back personalized to how you know sort of the direction you're going in and, and understanding where the gaps are and that's where you're seeing now with these new models uh, coming out from deep mind or in the robotics area or in deep learning or in these large transformer models of, of language where uh, they can do just almost magical things. I don't know if any of your audience, you may have heard of something called uh, DALI 2, which is uh, based on OpenAI and their GPT-3 technology. But what it does is it allows you to uh, give in any kind of descriptive form, what you want, it'll create a photorealistic picture. So you could say, I want a picture of a, of a mouse in an astronaut outfit uh, flying to a distant galaxy powered by photonic robots or, or something, you know, and it'll, it'll create that image and it's, it's quite realistic and then even to the lighting and so on. So, so, you know, can you imagine what that unlocks, right? So, and what, what does that do to education? It used to be that if I wanted to become an artist, I had to spend years acquiring the finite and, or I should say very detailed precision skills. But what if I had creative ability, but I, did, but I didn't have the means or the environment to be to develop, the, you know, those um, artistic skills the, to do the art, but I had the ideas. Now you can transform, you can be a creator, you can have the idea and create art, or you can have ideas about music and then use AI to help create the music, or um, have the ideas and have AI do writing for you. I wrote a Forbes piece uh, last year, and 
I used an AI tool to help write part of that piece. And in the article, I said, I used AI to help write part of this article. And I said, can you guess which parts I wrote and which parts the AI wrote? And I bet you, you couldn't tell. That is amazing. And I know GPT-3 can, and some of those uh, other endeavors have had lasting capabilities but it's also fascinating to think this is now mm -hmm. and that you wrote this article already and then even for the world of education suddenly it puts into perspective this is a current technology that can dramatically shape the need for people to be writing as an example or also provide the more creative means for more creators to tap into what their passions are. But these are these are things happening now. Yeah, so can you imagine, again, DeepMind uh, released this um, kind of hybrid system just recently uh, where, where it can do many, many different things. It used to be that when you trained an AI model, it can do one thing, but this can do many things. And, and, they, and so the implication is, is now this is the beginning of the journey for artificial general intelligence because they... It, it can generalize what it's wor uh, working on. So I recommend you just have a look. I mean, it's controversial too. Some people are saying it's not there yet and so on. And they admit that there's a lot, um, big way to go. But can you imagine if you can scale this? If you've got the root, the building block of something that you can scale into artificial general intelligence, then it's just a matter of replicating it to be bigger. And, and then it can do you know magical things, right? And, and in the transformer models, uh, like... OpenAI, this um, group with their GPT-3, where they've changed this uh, language model, and it's got like 175 billion parameters, right? And so like, hundred, think of it as 175 billion ways of thinking about something, right? And then, um, but they're working on one that has over 500 billion, and, and you know, the Chinese have come out with one, Wudao 2, that has 1.72 trillion. So you know they're working on a multi-trillion one, and and if you follow NVIDIA and some of their keynotes and so on, you'll see them talk about, you know, the human brain, let's say, and I'll add some of my own abstraction to this as well, has 85 billion neurons. And then with synapses, maybe it's over 100 trillion synapses, right? And NVIDIA talks about this, but they're also saying, or the implication is, is that we're going to have models that are going to be over 100 trillion, and that's next year. Right, so now that's approximating the neurons in your brain uh, and the synapses in your brain, though there could be other uh, processing occurring uh, in your brain and the support glial cells and others. So maybe it's in the quadrillion to really approximate what you have in the human brain. But, but it's interesting to see these things just growing. And then, um, you know, uh, GPT-3, a version of this, this model can code. You, you can get it to write code, right? So... And Microsoft just held their build conference, and um, you know they've they've now partnered with GPT uh, with OpenAI, and they have their Azure version of this that can be used in business, and you can use for practical applications, and do things that really were maybe considered not possible, but now are possible. Right? And you and we're just at the the beginning of this, so it's accelerating, right? So it sounds like there is a lot of opportunity now to be abreast of what is happening in the industry. Just a small fraction of what is to come when looking at the metaverse and looking at open AI. 
I look forward to building upon this and seeing what future innovations we should have on our horizon on our next episode.